Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of John, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the church is full of hypocrites. How many times have you ever heard this phrase? This would be someone who says one thing and does something different. Or as the dictionary defines it, a person who pretends to have virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, etc., that he or she does not actually possess, especially a person whose actions belie stated beliefs. We can look at that last part. A person whose actions contradict stated beliefs. So when we say, yes, I love God and I love my neighbor as myself, and then someone sees us go treating other people like crap, disrespecting other people, talking down to people, telling lies about people, well, then it does not really fit that stated belief. It's a contradiction. Therefore, you are a hypocrite. That is the unfortunate reality for all of us. We are walking, talking contradictions. That's because we're all sinners. We are not perfect. And it is in our sinful nature for us to contradict what God's perfect nature is. And that which we say we believe. If there's one thing we can take from this, it's, at least we're all in this together, right? There's one more thing we can take from this. That is, not only is the church full of hypocrites, the Bible is full of hypocrites. Because the Bible is full of sinners as well. Let's take the main character of the gospel, not named Jesus. That's Peter. Peter is a walking, talking hypocrite. If we go back to Monday Thursday, Jesus says, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter then speaks up and says, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. To which Jesus responds, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And when Peter hears this from Jesus, he speaks up again and says, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. All we have to do is jump down a few verses in Matthew to find Peter denying Jesus three times, just like Jesus said. And as soon as it happens, as soon as the rooster crows... Peter remembers what Jesus had promised and probably remembered his own words that he would die rather than deny. And he goes and weeps bitterly. Poor baby. Poor hypocrite. If we want to address the issue of the church being full of hypocrites, hypocrites, this problem that the world has with the church or even those who claim to love Jesus but not the church, have with hypocrisy. That's why they don't go to church. If we want to address this issue, we have to address sin. 
because sin is the reason we're hypocrites. So when we hear the phrase, the church is full of hypocrites, we first have to be honest about sin. We can say, you're right, it is. Because the church is full of sinners, of whom I am the worst, but sinners who are doing their best. At least that's what I would say for myself. Do I want to sin? No. Did Peter intend to deny Jesus? No. When Peter says, I'd rather die than deny, no one doubts the sincerity of his words. He meant what he said. He believed it. But when the time came, just as Jesus told him, he failed. And so often, we do mean what we say. I do love God and my neighbor as myself, but sometimes I fail to live my life perfectly as God would have me live. Because I'm a sinner and I fail sometimes, a lot of the time. What about you in your own life? Where have you failed? It's not very often that we are addressed with our very own failures like Peter, especially such a huge one like this, that seem like it's hard to come back from. Especially when we compare something like Peter's denial to Judas's betrayal. Judas doesn't come back from it. And maybe Peter won't too. We, of course, live on the other side of Peter's life, so we know the answer. He does. But if you're in Peter's shoes, you just did the very thing you said you wouldn't do. You said you would give up your life rather than fall away and deny Jesus. It would be very easy to think that maybe in those three years you spent with him, you weren't really Jesus' disciple. Because when the going got tough, you got going as far away from Jesus as possible, completely rejecting him. How could you ever come back from that? It is the worst thing you could ever do. Have you ever felt this way? That your sin is too great to come back from? You feel lost, hopeless. Your sin is too great to be forgiven. It's not. You can come back, but not on your own power. As much as the Bible is full of hypocrites, the Bible is also full of redemption stories as well. And I love a good redemption story. And redemption, according to the dictionary, is deliverance, rescue, atonement for guilt, repurchase as of something old, sold, paying off as of a mortgage, bond, or note. I actually did a search, best stories of redemption in movies, because I was going to compare Peter's life to some movie. And there were a few on the list that I knew, like Shawshank Redemption, Schindler's List, Goodwill Hunting, Cinderella Man. But one that was on the list I didn't expect to be there, maybe I didn't give the world enough credit, was The Passion of the Christ. It fits, of course, because the whole Bible is a story of redemption. It's the true story of deliverance, rescue, atonement for guilt, 
buying back God's people and paying off the debt of sin. We, in our sin, need to be rescued, need to be delivered, need to be brought back and bought back because the punishment for our sin is death. And not just physical death, but eternal death. Hell. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves because we're sinners. And the only thing that's going to save us is the one who is the exact opposite of us. The one who needs no rescuing or deliverance is sinless, guiltless. The one who buys us back, brings us back by paying the price for our sin. That price being his death. Jesus gives up his life in order to redeem us from the death we deserve. This he did in his passion, his death and resurrection. This he did for me. This he did for you. And this he did for Peter and all the other hypocrites and sinners of the world. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. And so we go back to our gospel reading and we see Peter in need of redemption. We don't know the whole context of the story, but we do know that Peter is back to the Sea of Galilee where things all began, where Jesus called him to fish for people. And here Peter is fishing for fish. If Easter changes everything, if the resurrection changes everything like you heard a couple weeks ago, why is Peter back to his old way of life? Maybe he thought he was no longer worthy to be a disciple of Jesus, a fisher of men, because of his rejection, denial of Jesus, that it was too great to come back from, and that's why he's gone back to fishing. Regardless, Peter needs some deliverance. And just as Jesus promised the disciples, after telling them they would all fall away, that after he rises from the dead, he would go to Galilee. And here he is, making breakfast on the shore. After the meal, Jesus says to Peter, not once, not twice, but three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It would probably be impossible for Peter to not think of his own denial, rejection of Jesus three times, as Jesus says that third time, do you love me? One reason that Jesus asked so many times may be so that Peter would have to hear himself confess the real truth three times. Lord, you know that I love you. I love you and I've failed you. But I love you. Here is the paradox, the contradiction, the hypocrisy for every disciple who has ever walked the face of the earth. We love Jesus and we fail Jesus. Yet we love Jesus, really, we do. Three times Peter rejects Jesus, rejects the call. Three times Jesus restores, forgives, calls again. He connects his redemption, his resurrection, to Peter's hypocrisy. And Peter's story is our story. We all have stories, whether it's been a straight denial like Peter or rejecting God's word, his commands, for our life every time we sin. The fact is we're sinners, we're hypocrites, who deny Jesus every time we sin. But we're sinners, hypocrites, who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. 
And because I'm a sinner, I need to be in church. What those who say they love Jesus but not the church fail to recognize is the means of grace in which God himself has given to his church for the blessing and benefit of his people, of sinners. His word, where the life-saving message of the Redeemer is found. And the word of God is taught and preached in truth and purity in Christ's church. His sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism where we are washed clean, made new, where we are buried with Christ into his death and resurrection, where the Holy Spirit is at work in us so that when we say we love God and love our neighbors, we actually can because the Holy Spirit is working in us to produce the fruit of love. The Lord's Supper, where Christ comes to us with his body and his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation. These are the gifts that Christ has given to his church, to his people, to hypocrites and sinners. And it's exactly what we need. We join with Christ in his death and resurrection for forgiveness, life, and salvation. Jesus forgives us, restores us, and calls us to be his own. It's what redemption is all about. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our Redeemer. Amen.